Hey, if you like this podcast, or if this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, then why don't you check out some of our merch? Right now, there are amazing, super comfortable t-shirts that you can buy advertising your love for Murderous Affair for only $15, which, what a steal, right? You can buy them on frumiusreads.com forward slash shop and receive a handwritten thank you for your purchase, as well as my unending gratitude. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. It's June and that means that it's the perfect time for us to cover women in LGBTQ plus history who you may or may not have heard of. Not that we save these stories for June specifically. We aren't like every other major corporation in America out here. But uh, I think in June, it's nice to focus specifically on those in history who are part of the LGBTQ plus community, otherwise may remain unknown or not really mentioned or talked about. Who are we talking about this episode? Well, that would be the Valiant Ladies of Potosi, the sword and gun-toting lesbian teen vigilantes who became two of Peru's favorite folk heroines. Of course, we need a little bit of history to get more background on our setting here. After the European settlers captured North and South America, mostly the Spanish, let's be real here, they discovered that there were tons of valuable minerals and materials which then caused an immediate economic boom. In the town of Potosi, which was then in Peru but would be part of modern day's Bolivia today. Silver was the main commodity found there. The Spanish, of course, claimed the mines and the silver inside, and there was an unexpected demand and population boom that happened to coincide with that. And the town of Potosi ended up turning into the kind of pirate town that makes me think of Tortuga from Pirates of the Caribbean, which great movie, my absolute favorite movie. Basically, crime ran rampant and people took to wearing multi-layered shirts in order to protect themselves from knife attacks. The town council actually refused to meet unless they were provided with chainmail shirts to wear to and from the meeting. Basically, the reason why we tell this is because our heroines were born during this time period sometime in the mid to early 1600s. On Ana Lizama de Rinza was an orphan who struggled for survival at a young age in one of the most hostile cities in the world. Now, our other heroine, Eustaquia de Sanza, was born the daughter of Don de Sanza, a powerful man who was one of the aristocratic Spanish elite. He had money, power, influence, and even connections to Spanish royalty. Ana and Eustaquia grew up with extremely different backgrounds. Anna fending for herself and Eustachia with comfort and servants. Until somehow, they both ended up meeting while at a young age and they were the best of friends. They grew extremely close and Don de Sonza actually grew to care for Anna as well and feared for her living on her own, so he decided to adopt her. Which makes me think, like, I wonder if somehow Anna and Annie are very similar in terms of like names. And so I'm wondering if somehow some of this story ended up inspiring the writers of Annie, or I don't know, I don't know much about like where Annie's origins were from, but 
how crazy is it that this is basically the same story going from poverty to absolute extravagance anna got education from private tutors etiquette training and all sorts of other stuff that was considered to be suitable habits for ladies in that time period of course eustachia was her partner in crime in this eustachia had an older brother who also was very close with these girls and both anna and eustachia would watch him train in sword fighting from one of the finest swordsmen in all of the new world then they would go and practice on their own with sticks unfortunately not too long after anna's adoption he ended up dying from unknown causes after his death both girls began begging and begging to let the dawn train with his previous instructor in his place and as a way to honor him. Eventually, they were allowed to do so, and they began years of an intense training, sparring, and not only training in sword fighting, the instructor also trained them in horse riding and how to both load and fire muskets, and how to fight on horses. Basically, they ended up being enrolled in, was, in what was equivalent to intense military training when they were in their pre-teens, and they were both also extremely talented at it. But besides being the ultimate gal pal, their bond began growing into a romance that would end up lasting the rest of their lives. It was around this time that they also began to realize they hated the high society life. They hated the parties and the dances and staying cooped up in their sheltered via. They wanted to put their years of training to the test, actually have someone to fight. And so they decided to dress up as men, tying their hair up under cowboy hats and stealing some of the workermen's clothes and go out into the night in one of the most dangerous cities in the world to see what trouble they could find. They had assistance from some of the men who worked around the house and they were able to sneak them out and back under the guise of being workers going home from the night. Armed with pistols and rapiers, they would go to bars and get drunk, they would dance with pretty women, cheat at card games, and then end up fighting the enraged patrons of said cheated card games out in the street. It was a pretty common occurrence for them once they began this routine, and they hardly ever lost a fight. They would take on multiple men at a time, and in one of their most well-known stories, they fought four men back-to-back -back who were also armed with swords. And it ended up being an even match. Well, I mean, as even as a match of four versus two could ever be. At one point, Anna fell and cracked her skull open and ended up passing out. Now, when this happened, Eustachia went feral, thinking that Anna was dead, and she ended up fighting off the four men by herself while protecting her fallen love until Anna woke up and Anna was pissed. She got back into the fight. She got back into the fight, according to accounts, quote, rising to her feet like a lioness and recognizing the man who had wounded her, said, monster, now I will revenge myself. She ended up cutting off the hand of the man who'd hit her. Now, some accounts say that it was cut completely off. Others say that it was almost cut off. I think that either way, we can say that having that severe of an injury in the early 1600s makes it okay to assume that the man and the hand were no longer connected in the way that they had been before. Back to the fight. This was definitely enough to make all four run off, having decided that fighting for their honor was most definitely not worth it. Eventually, according to how the stories are told, Anna and Eustachia decided that inciting the fights was no longer for them. They began getting masks and taking up lives as vigilantes, taking action against anyone who dared commit a crime or harass the vulnerable in their vicinity. Between the vigilante crime fighting as they traveled the country of Peru, 
They would gamble, have sex with as many beautiful women as possible, and also engage in one of their other favorite pastimes, bullfighting. Their identities as women were eventually found was eventually found out as they traveled, and this was when they gained the nickname of the Valiant Ladies of Potosi. For the next five years, they traveled, drank, fought. After these five years, their father died and left his entire estate to Eustachia. They returned to Potosi to take care of the affairs and kept the estate for themselves. Of course, now that Eustachia was a doña, it was expected that she would change her ways and step into the life of the boring aristocrat. That most definitely did not happen, as every so often, she and Anna would suit up and raise all sorts of trouble in the town of Potosi. Their tale comes to an end when Anna was gored during one of her bullfights, and she received fatal wounds. Eustachia died, according to history, of a broken heart merely four months later. And one of the saddest things is that they're estimated to be, to be between their 20s to 30s when they both died. Overall, I think that the legend of the Valiant Ladies of Potosi is one that w should live on forever and one that if you are interested in, you should definitely check out for yourself. The resources that I used for this episode were Rejected Princesses, of course, as well as HistoryNaked.com, who had a great article, Kuora, Q-U-O-R-A.com had a whole article there of someone who had responded with it, the information about them. And the DonAlden.com had a Woman Warriors article that mentioned the ladies of Potosi. If you enjoyed this episode, then let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you, and you can find me at Frumius Reads. That's F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. On Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, basically anywhere and everywhere. I am all over social media. You can also follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Amazon, Google, Stitcher, or Libsyn. You could also visit the podcast homepage at frumiusreads.com forward slash a dash murderous dash affair where you'll be able to see transcripts of the episodes as well as whatever cool behind the scenes stuff I've got going on that week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it and I will talk to you next week. Stay spooky friends. Goodbye. Do you like coffee? I'm pretty picky about my coffee and I have to have it in a very specific way. But I have to say that Coffee Over Cardio has some of the best coffee available online. My personal favorite is the Doctor's Orders, and it is a vanilla hazelnut medium roast that tastes amazing all year round. If coffee isn't your thing, like me, I only like specific kinds. They've also got these really good electrolyte add-ins for your water called Hydrates, and they're a fantastic way to get an extra boost while staying hydrated and also for when maybe you've been drinking so much water that you're sick of the taste of water and you want to taste something else. They've got all kinds of cool flavors so go ahead and check them out at coffeeovercardio.com and get 10% off your first order using the code 10 reads when you buy. That's 10-F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. Goodbye. Hey, if you like this podcast, or if this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, then why don't you check out some of our merch? 
Right now, there are amazing, super comfortable t-shirts that you can buy advertising your love for Murderous Affair for only $15. 